you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS in Pasadena for a morning of multilingual readings, interactive performances, and lots of kid fun. It's Super Fun Saturday on June 1st. Get your tickets at LAS.com slash events. We have this idea that when something bad happens, we learn a lesson. That we adjust, that we improve, that we move forward. I mean, buildings are a good example. We used to build some out of adobe, and then earthquakes like the one in 1857 blew them over like they were built out of straw. And we thought, all right, we can do better. So we built buildings out of bricks. And then, in 1933, this quake in Long Beach pulverized those, and a bunch of people died. So we thought, what's better than brick? Steel. And we were pretty pleased with ourselves, because steel is strong and ductile. If you take a plastic spoon and you try to bend it, you try to uh, you know, bend it back and forth a couple of times, you will see that you will quickly snap it. That's a brittle system. It's, it breaks very easily, cannot go through back and forth uh, you know, movement. This is structural engineer Swaminathan Krishnan. I've talked with him a lot about steel buildings lately. He worked with Lucy Jones on the ShakeOut Report, and he's been very, very patient explaining complicated topics to me. If you take a steel wire instead and you try to go back and forth, you cannot break it. It will be able to go through large cycles back and forth and it'll, you, you know, you'll take several cycles before it actually snaps, right? That is ductile behavior. A material that does that is, is, is good for an earthquake because an earthquake is going to shake your building back and forth several times. We trusted steel buildings so much that from the 1960s through the early 90s, we built a lot of buildings out of it in a very specific way. Some are one story, some are more than 50 stories tall, and there are thousands of these steel moment frame buildings that have been built around LA because steel is strong and it's flexible. The thing is, a building skeleton isn't made out of just one piece of solid steel. It has joints. They take these pieces of steel, bring them together, bolt them, and then weld it all. Like creating a Lincoln log cabin and gluing the pieces together. Something called a welded steel moment frame connection. An earthquake-proof solution. So we thought. We were wrong. I'm Jacob Margolis, and this is The Big One, your survival guide. Episode 6, The Buildings. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps. 
Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS for a morning of multilingual story times, interactive performances, art making, and lots of kid fun. Bring the whole fam and join us for a super fun Saturday at LAS in Pasadena on June 1st. Tickets at las.com slash events. See you there. So this might sound weird, but I absolutely love driving south on the 101 freeway from the San Fernando Valley. When there's no traffic, it's really easy. You just pop over some hills, you round a few turns, and then off in the distance, the skyline of downtown LA comes into view. It's pretty phenomenal. So there's construction going behind me, a huge scooper scooping a bunch of dirt. There's a bus driving by, a bunch of cars. And right now I'm sitting in the middle of a square. Over the last few months, I've become super obsessed with these twin buildings in downtown LA. So recently, I took a trip there to go check them out. These buildings, they're basically identical, which kind of makes them look like siblings that are up to something. If you look up, what you see are two buildings, two giant buildings. City National Bank building on my left and the Paul Hastings building on my right. Each 52 stories tall. And each of them at the bottom have these gigantic columns that are like the first two stories. So it's kind of this wide sweeping view when you walk towards towards the opening. And each building is sheathed in this like greenish, brownish, really shiny looking stone. They look really, really solid. Here's the thing. I don't know if they are. Back in the early 70s, these two buildings were under construction and the San Fernando quake hit. It was a 6.6, strong enough to do a lot of damage. Just before dawn, a massive shock rippling out of the mountains just north of the San Fernando Valley. Hitting here, missing there, but shaking most of Southern California like an angry parent shakes a screaming child. More than 60 people died. After the Silmar quake hit, investigators went out to inspect the still-under-construction buildings, and they wrote a report about what they found. Quote, A 25% increase in the number of cracks in the welds in the two lower stories of both steel frame towers. In the normal welding process, cracks can form as metal cools. The debate was, did the earthquake cause these cracks, or were the cracks already there and the earthquake just made them worse? Here's another line from the investigator's report. The potential problem of earthquake-induced weld stress cracks in modern steel frame buildings is disquieting. That was 1971. They fixed the welds, moved forward with construction, and finished the buildings. I learned about this whole thing from a FEMA report written in 2000 that talked about the towers. And in that report, they say pretty much the same thing as earlier investigators. Maybe these cracks were already there. Maybe the earthquake made them worse. We cannot tell for sure. In any case, after the Silmar quake in 71, even though investigators saw a possible problem with the building technique, we kept using it. We probably would have kept building the same way, but then Northridge hit. 
the entire region has been plunged into complete blackness. They have electricity, they don't have water. <laughs> Dead inside the rubble of the hillside home were two people, one of them this woman's daughter. Out on the highways, Officer Rick Myler inspects the damage to sections of the Golden State Freeway. Three hours ago, this was nice, clean freeway, and now it's just a pile of... At the time, all I knew is that they had a client that had damaged buildings, and I was, I was going out to look at them. Structural engineer David O'Sullivan went to check out two new steel buildings. Not the ones I'm obsessed with. These two other steel buildings that were just a few miles from the epicenter, built the same way. One-story building, when I looked at it, you could see why they were concerned. The building was actually visibly leaning a little bit, about four inches out of plumb. So you could see with the naked eye that there was a permanent offset of the building, basically. There was a chance that with all of the aftershocks that it could collapse. So it was yellow tagged. And David and these other guys went to check out the other building. You couldn't tell looking at the four-story building that there was anything wrong. I think I, from the outside, I saw a broken window pane or two. Inside, didn't seem that bad either. Some furniture was thrown over, some ceiling tiles on the floor. Then... This contractor who's just kind of cleaning up, he notices something. And I remember they said, did you, did you see the, the, the column here? And I said, well, I haven't looked closely. And they, they brought me over there to look at this. They were looking at this fluffy wool fireproofing, which looked mostly fine. But then David looked closer. And we scraped it off and we found out that that steel flange had pulled out of the column. Basically, the weld, it just pulled a chunk right out of the face of the column. And that was a big wow. The welds hadn't held in the earthquake, and the majority of steel connections throughout the entire building had broken. Were you surprised when they found that? Very surprised. Why? And I remember, well, because that wasn't the way they were supposed to behave. And the, the moment frame buildings prior to the Northridge earthquake were thought to be the premier lateral force-resisting system you could have in a building, and they were going to be ductile and absorb lots of energy, and this wasn't ductile at all. It was a, it was a brittle fracture. This wasn't the type of damage you would expect to have seen in a building. So it was all unprecedented. You don't, you, you know, you don't want to go up to work one day, and all of a sudden you're dealing with something that nobody's ever seen before. Reports of damage to steel buildings came in from all over the city. And we learned a lot. Building codes were changed, and a bunch of buildings were retrofitted. Structural engineers agreed, we won't use this building technique going forward. What we didn't do was inspect or fix or tear down all of the remaining steel buildings that had been built this way. Why not? Part of it was politics. Part of it was that the Northridge quake didn't shake hard enough for us to assume all these buildings were damaged. Part of it was cost. More on that later. But I keep thinking about the quake back in 1971 and the fact that there are these two giant welded steel moment frame buildings in downtown LA that we know have had problems after an earthquake that haven't yet been challenged by a big one. The City National Bank building and the Paul Hastings building formerly known as the Arco Towers. 
I wanted to find blueprints for the Arco Towers, plans for the buildings, some kind of documentation that would show me the last time they were inspected or if they'd ever been retrofitted. So I went to the most logical place you could go to, the LA Department of Building and Safety in downtown. Can I share this table with you? Thank you. Uh, actually, I, yeah, I work for a radio station in Los Angeles. Well, while I was pulling records, I was like, I bet this is exactly what people come here for, to record podcasts. Because <laughs> you can, I was like, can I get this info? I guess it's public knowledge, so it makes sense. I'm waiting now for them to pull records and print them out. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 367. Have a good one. Thank you. Hi, how are you? Good, how can I help you? I was hoping to get architectural records, like the blueprints for these two buildings on South Flower Street. I guess it would be blueprints, plans. And I don't know any additional information I'm, I can pull about them, like who owns them, that kind of stuff. Are you recording? I am recording. I called up one of my bosses, Arwen Nix. So tell me what's happening. Yeah, I went to go look for the records and they told me that they were completely uh, private. And so I can't actually pull any of the blueprints. And I don't know why they're restricted. I went up to another office building and they couldn't even tell me why. And they basically said, okay, you need to submit a public records request to find out. And so now I'm at the point where I, I know nothing more now than I did two and a half hours ago when I... When I Wait, so you need to submit a public records request to figure out why something isn't public? Yes, that's what they said. <laughs> what if you're someone who has a nefarious inclination for finding these blueprints? I mean, it's like every Die Hard movie has blueprints in it. Those are bad guys with blueprints. Like, I think that part makes sense. I think the fact that you can't figure out where to start to prove that you're a good guy is weird. Okay. Also, I think that the buildings that we're looking at might be where one of the characters works in the show Insecure. Just, <laughs> I realized that last night. It's very, it's very, very possible. Okay. I'll see you in the morning. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. It's called the Department of Building and Safety. And all I wanted was some sort of evidence that these buildings are safe. Eventually, I just decided to ask the owners. Spoiler alert, didn't go well. Parole is our love letter to Los Angeles. We'll tell you where to get a yummy torta, a bowl of kanji, and of course, a burger. It's a beef sausage blend, fried egg, grilled onions, and then raspberry jam. What hiking trails to check out. This feels like we're out in the mountains. And where to take in some culture. Lamert Park, they've been fostering jazz for decades. LA's a big place with a lot going on. So we got you. Subscribe to How to LA from LA Studios wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. 
this is clearly an NPR audience. <laughs> yeah, I think they're so smart. Just, what the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events. Remember when that building collapsed in the first episode of the show? So when I was writing that, I was thinking about a steel moment frame building in downtown LA. That's because they're featured in one of the scariest parts of the ShakeOut report. Based on simulations of what major shaking could do, to 18 and 19 story steel moment frame buildings. In the report, they say that as many as five steel buildings, small or large, across Southern California, could catastrophically collapse, and that 10 or more could be red tagged. The research was done by Swami Nathan, who was with Caltech at the time. He's the guy who taught us about ductility. Would you be surprised if a tall building collapsed in downtown Los Angeles in the event of a big San Andreas quake? No, I would not be surprised. When a building collapses in a movie, it usually goes like this. The shaking starts. The buildings sway. A person screams. More people scream. They rush for doorways and then Dwayne The Rock Johnson swoops in in a helicopter and saves his ex-wife. Hold on! (gasps) While the building disintegrates and everyone else is crushed. It's not exactly how it could go down. The possible reality is less pulpy. Swaminathan thinks it could go like this. The rolling kind of waves uh, will come in and they will go up the building and uh, the building will start uh, shaking. Back and forth, back and forth. You can feel these uh, waves going through it as if it's a big shiver uh, running through your spine. You'll hear a lot of noise. Much of that noise is going to be uh, things falling, things rattling. But you might start to hear lots of pops. And these pops are the connections um, perhaps fracturing, you know, the steel actually physically breaking in some places. And you'll hear that in uh, big pops. And as, the, as it keeps shaking back and forth, back and forth, more and more damage will get accumulated. And generally speaking, um, when, when, we, when a building is close to collapse, we will start to see all that damage uh, becoming significant, uh, you know, very large over, uh, let's say, three to four stories in a 20-story in a building. Swaminathan says you could see three or four floors moving away from the building. He compared it to an athlete's knee popping out of the socket, making their entire leg buckle. And in a tall building, you know, you could be carrying, those four stories could be carrying 10 stories above them and they're no longer able to support their weight um, and it would uh, end up uh, pancaking these four stories. Uh, meaning the floor slabs in those four stories will come down and impacting, you know, uh, impacting each other. 
you know you might see the upper stories also pancaking on top of each other and then depending on what's happening to the base how strong the 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 stories that are below these four stories are depending on that the entire building might come pancaking down that's one possibility the other possibility is the upper stories uh, tilt and fall over um leaving this little stub piece uh sticking out of the ground uh but th- that those you know there are several possible scenarios since we started building this way in LA we haven't had an earthquake strong enough to collapse one of these buildings Back in 1985, there was an 8.1 quake in Mexico City that did collapse some steel moment frame buildings, but they weren't made exactly the same way we make them here. It wasn't quite an apples to apples comparison, more like uh, lime to lemon. So it didn't change what we were doing. I would be surprised if as many as 10 were to collapse, but uh, not surprised at all if a few such buildings collapsed. Structural engineer Ron Hamburger reviewed Swaminathan's work on the ShakeOut report. I think a number of engineers don't really believe that it's a huge problem. Uh, the reason for that is we tend to be influenced by what we experience and what we see. In the United States, we've not yet seen any building of this type collapse. And so when you tell people this is a real problem it's not unusual for them to say show me the bodies show me the bodies this idea relates to a lot of what we've been saying this entire series that there's compelling science that we know this could be a problem and we know what we can do to fix it and then we don't do everything we can some places are taking precautions with these buildings. Santa Monica and West Hollywood have mandatory retrofit programs. In LA, we have retrofit programs for other brittle structures. Brick buildings, soft story apartments, concrete buildings. There are way more of those kinds of buildings than there are steel moment buildings. And the reason government officials require that they be retrofitted is that they're generally way more dangerous in an earthquake. But for steel buildings, well, I asked LA Mayor Eric Garcetti, what are you doing about them? Nothing is the answer. In LA, it's largely up to the building owners. But that's not to say we're not doing anything to look at laws that would address that, like San Francisco is considering now. That's our next chapter. So, if we know that there's even a minuscule chance that something bad like a building collapsing could happen? Why aren't we doing everything we can to mitigate the threat? It's a little bit crass, but suppose I told you that 99.9% of anyone in greater Los Angeles is going to survive the big earthquake. Is that acceptable to you? I would say, I would say we should probably try to do everything that we can to save every life. I think to to posit a large earthquake in an urban environment like Los Angeles and say that it it is unacceptable if anybody dies in that earthquake, I think that's unreasonable, especially if you have limited public money to put toward reducing the losses. Structural engineer David Bonowitz has a lot of worries about a big earthquake. But the collapse of a steel moment building 
isn't at the top of his list. I'd be, I'd be a fool to say nothing could ever happen. And that's the, the question is whether, uh, you know, that damage is the kind of collapse level damage that normally gets us worked up to the point where we have mandatory retrofit programs. Uh, I'm not seeing that yet. Show me the bodies. Not having bodies at our feet isn't the only reason we aren't mandating retrofits. It's money and politics and priorities. We have a homelessness crisis. We have schools we need to improve. California's literally on fire all the time. And then there's the cost. It could be upwards of $50,000 to retrofit one steel moment connection, according to Swaminathan. There can be 30 to 40 connections on each floor. Now imagine you've got a 20-story building. Are you doing that math in your head? That's millions of dollars retrofitting connections that may hold up just fine in an earthquake. Now, extrapolate that across a thousand plus buildings in Los Angeles alone. Who takes that on? Building owners? City? How much is a life worth? This, this, this is why I'm obsessed with these towers. I know their steel moment frame. I know they had issues after the 71 quake. I don't know the last time they were inspected. Don't know if they've been retrofitted. And I don't know if they're safe for the thousands of people that work in them every day. So I called the people who bought them. Commonwealth Partners. Hi, yeah, my name is Jacob Margolis. I'm calling from KPCC. Yeah, so I'm calling in regards to two towers that uh, you guys are the owners of um, that I had some questions about. And one of the things that we're looking at is structural integrity of certain buildings. And so there are some doc- there have been some documented issues with those two buildings. Uh, and so I had some questions for someone that could possibly answer them for me. Okay, that's great. So uh, what's the operation manager's name? You said Mike Brooks? All right. Great. If you could put me through to his voicemail, that'd be wonderful. Mr. Brooks, I'm following up on my query from last week. In researching what'll happen when a major earthquake strikes the region, given that the towers have building resilience has come up, and in that regard, I would like to discuss with you the structural integrity of the Arco Towers. Paul Can you please share records and certification concerning the retrofit When and by whom were the welds in the towers inspected? When was the last time inspections of the welds in the towers took place? Can you please share these records as well? Was there any damage found during inspections and how was Again, can you please share records about the damage and how it was What guarantee can you give those that are working in the building that they'll be safe in a large earthquake? And what contingency plan do you have in place to address structural issues that might I'm on a deadline and available ASAP. Best, Jacob Margolis. Hi, following up on my email from yesterday to confirm that you Mr. received Brooks. it. Following up on my previous email, Mr. Brooks, out to following Kudik up to make sure that you received the above email. Jacob Margolis. I didn't get an email back. I called their offices again and again. They were always away or in a meeting. On one call, I asked a receptionist why no one had called me back. Then, from somewhere else in the office, it sounded like someone asked her who was on the phone. She said KPCC. There was muffled chatter. She hung up on me. 
So, okay, I, I decided to just South go there. Flower Street, the 32nd floor. Hi. Sorry? Do you have a badge? Do a badge? Yes. Uh -uh. Listen, you, oh. need to, you need to go to register yourself. I, sorry? You need to go to register. Yes. Okay. Thank you. All right. I cannot go up to the 32nd floor without a badge. Let's see if I can get a badge. Um, so is how do I get up to the 32nd floor? Uh, you so I'm here to see Commonwealth Partners, the uh, the owners. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but who exactly are you gonna see? Do you have a contact person? I don't. I just I have a question for them. I'm a journalist, and I, I wanted to come ask a question about about the buildings. Um, they said that you would have to call them to set up an appointment. So I can't get up without a pass. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I couldn't get up to see them. I was foiled by very basic security. <laughs> they wouldn't even let me through. So I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna call them and ask if I can come up and get comment. Hi, my name is Jacob Margolis. I'm a reporter with KPCC in Los Angeles, the national public radio station here. I was wondering, I'm actually, I happen to be downtown, and I... Office manager Leanne H., who wouldn't give me her last name, told me that their comment is no comment. All right, thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Digging through my notes afterwards, I realized something kind of big. Buildings are actually mostly owned by California's Public Employees Retirement System, a giant pension fund that's paid into by roughly 2 million members, politicians, teachers, garbage collectors, judges, a bunch of people, CalPERS. They deputize these different firms to invest in things for them, and Commonwealth Partners is one of those firms. So Commonwealth did the buying. CalPERS is the major money backer. And when I asked CalPERS for comment, they sent me back to Commonwealth, saying co-managing partner Michael Croft was expecting my email. So I wrote him, and I bet you can guess how that went. When I told CalPERS Michael never wrote back, they said, thank you for the opportunity, but we do not have a comment. I got nothing. So I tried a different route. I asked every structural engineer I spoke with about the Arco Towers. And they all responded the exact same way as Ron Hamburger. Yeah, I, I, I don't have direct knowledge of that and won't comment on it. The only people who can say for certain what's going to happen to them are the ones who inspect the buildings. To assess absolutely whether or not they are safe, no, an ordinary person can't do that. I mean, it takes... Training, and it takes extensive analytical work to figure out if a given building is safe. We don't know what's going to happen to the Arco Towers or any of the other steel moment frame buildings across Southern California. They could be okay when the big one hits, or maybe the ground motion, soil composition, and brittle welds will all come together and some of them will collapse. 
or partially collapse. The truth is, no building we make will ever be 100% safe. After the next big one, we'll see the bodies. And we'll realize a whole bunch of things about the code that we didn't before. I bet you anything that we will then do something. So what the hell are you supposed to do about any of that? Let's say you work in an office building in L.A. See if you can figure out who owns it. Ask them. Ask what it's made out of, when it was built, if it's ever been retrofitted. I hope you have better luck than I did. Would you let your your wife or your kids work in a building in downtown L.A.? I would say in one particular case, I did uh, discourage my wife to, to work in a particular building because I knew that building was a certain kind. He doesn't want to specify which building it is, but it's a steel moment frame kind. And so I said, no, let's, let's, why don't we look for something else? And so that, that's the, you know, decision, right, that one has to make. And it is very hard for you to, knowing all this, to allow your spouse to work in a building like that. Let me put it that way, right? Um, she is fearless. She says, and that's the nature again of the problem. She says, for an earthquake that we don't know when it's going to happen and whether it's even going to happen in our lifetimes, should we make such a decision because this is a great job, why, why should I not be taking it? It's a great question that she's asking. And that's the question that 99.99% of the people out there are asking. So did she take the job? No, she did not. (laughs) (laughs) So you convinced her? Yes, I did, but not not wholly. I I suspect not wholly, but I showed her my kids and said, look at those kids. (laughs) It's brutal. Well, you got to be brutal at some point if you really want to convince your wife sometimes. Coming up, producer Misha Youssef has tips on how to tell if your house, condo, or apartment are safe. As a farmer's son from a desert region in California, J.B. Hamby thinks a lot about water. I spent a lot of time digging up history, particularly about water, which is the origins of the Imperial Valley. How this 28-year-old became the youngest lead negotiator on the Colorado River ever. And how he could shape the most consequential negotiations to date. Listen to Imperfect Paradise, the Gen Z water dealmaker, wherever you get podcasts. Alias has a new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of some of your favorite L.A. restaurants to find out how and why they do what they do. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for the first event where we'll explore how restaurants help make a neighborhood and we'll all have something delicious to eat afterwards. It's May 22nd at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at LAS.com slash events. When the big one hits, these are the people that I would want by my side. Misha Youssef, who's our lead producer, 
Arwen Champion Nix is our executive producer. Mary Knopf is our assistant producer. Megan Garvey is our very, very, very patient editor. Our music is by Andy Clausen. Our engineers, who have to filter out all of my tummy sounds, are Sean Corey Campbell and Valentina Rivera. Our design works by Stephanie Kraft. This episode is written by me, Jacob Margolis, with lots of help from Arwen Nix. The marketing credit goes to Alex Laughlin. Thanks to James Kim for always sitting at his standing desk. Thanks to Keith Porter, Mike Engelhart, Farzad Naeem, and Tom Heaton for sharing their insights about steel buildings. I'm your host, Jacob Margolis. Hey, big one listener. It's me, Misha, still lead producer, haven't gotten fired yet. And I do have some more tips for you. So this episode is all about buildings and whatever you do, I'm pretty sure you're in buildings at least some of your time. So tip number one, if you're in a house, get it inspected. If it's a raised foundation, make sure that it's been bolted and braced. It can stop your place from sliding off the foundation and collapsing. If you're on a solid foundation, make sure that it's secured. Number two, if you're in an apartment, it's a little tougher, but you can ask your landlord when your building was built and what's been done to retrofit it. If it's a soft story, that would be a building with a carport underneath the front. You can see if steel beams have been added to strengthen it. If not, you should really consider getting out of there. Tip number three, condos are much less likely to have been retrofitted, especially if they couldn't get all the HOA folks to agree. Tip number four, if you work in a big office building, especially downtown, and they tell you it's on rollers, it's probably not. Ask them if they've done any retrofit. If not, consider whether you wanna work there. That's it for tips. Tips, tips, that's it for tips.